0: Well, good morning. I count it a great privilege and blessing to be here at uh, UECP. And uh, on behalf of the Biblical Seminary of the Philippines, uh, I would like to extend greetings of love, appreciation for your continuous uh, support, prayers, and uh, continuous uh, you know, partnership with BSOP. Well, UECP has been a wonderful blessing to, uh, to BSOP, and we continue to thank God for each one of you. Shall we come to the Lord in prayer? Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you. Lord, you are our God. You're, you, you began the good work in us, and we know that you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would grant us a heart that is willing and open to listen to your word. Lord, may the word that would flow out of my mouth, may your scripture penetrate deep within our hearts. Lord, to the point that we would not just be hearers of your word, but may we be doers of your word, truly following you, serving you for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Is it okay for us to live in a lifestyle of sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess? You know, at the beginning, it might be sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, but later on, it's going to be sin, sin, confess, sin, sin, confess. And as you continue on this pattern, it will be sin, 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 sin. You know, if you go to a uh, hospital today, you see the monitor of the blood pressure. You see, tut, tut, this high, low, high, low. It's oftentimes like a cycle, up and down, up and down. You know, sometimes that's the reality of many Christians, but be careful if you continue on this pattern and this cycle, you may end up flatline. Is it possible for that to happen to Christians? We're going to talk about it in Judges chapter 2 today. Well, the Word of God tells us, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one saws, he will also reap. You know, if you continue on a lifestyle of sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, realize that every sin that we commit is a disobedience against God. And when you disobey God, it is like telling Him, I'm a rebel. I want to rebel against you. I don't want to follow your words. I don't want to obey your words. And the more you move on to this lifestyle, you're actually mocking God you know, whatever you saw in your life, you will reap. It begins with a thought and it moves on to an act and this act becomes a habit and this habit will shape your character and it will eventually be your destiny. At the end of it all, you are just deceiving yourselves. That's the Word of God. Today, we're going to look into warnings on rebellion against God. God wants to warn you you know, there's always this, uh, you know, when we were in the United States, there's a lot of these uh, tornado warnings, which is quite different from here in the Philippines. Uh, we, never, we are never warned whenever there's an earthquake coming. But in the United States, there is this tornado warning. And so I remember those times when we, we had to go to this uh, shelter. I mean, in every building, we have to stay at the first, second floor and cramped together in the middle of the building because a tornado is about to hit. We don't know exactly where it's gonna be, but it's a warning. We should all move together. Whenever God is warning us, we should not just say, oh, it's not gonna happen to me. We need to take heed. Let's look at the warnings on rebellion against God found in Judges chapter 2. The first stage of rebellion against God is apathy towards God. Apathy. I don't care. Whatever happens in my life, I sin, confess, sin, confess. I don't care. I don't care any God. Don't have this, you know, sensitivity of heart towards God. The Word of God says, the angel of the Lord said, I brought you from, up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. You know, the moment you become a Christian, when you trust in the Lord as your Savior and Lord, you... You once were enslaved in sin, but the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary to free you from slavery to sin. Just like the Israelites, they were brought out of slavery in Egypt. And God said to them, I brought you into this land that I swore to give your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. When you establish a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're establishing a covenant relationship with Him. A covenant is an agreement between someone of higher status and someone of lower status. You, you, you tell Him, I want you to be my one and only God. Be my God. Save me from my sins. So you make Him to be your God, your one and only God, and he bec- you become His follower. You become part of His people. You establish a covenant relationship with God. And God said, I will never ever break my covenant with you. However, you have a relationship that you need to establish with me. Therefore, you shall, not, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. And God said to them, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? You see, God has blessed you and me tremendously. Blessings upon blessings upon blessings. What have we done? If you continue on this rebellious, apathetic lifestyle, you just don't care. It's okay to sin. Actually, it's not okay to sin. But you become callous in your heart. You become hardened in your heart. You begin to say, it's okay. I don't care what's going to happen next. Let's see, you when you begin to, to wrestle with God and challenge God, then God's going to tell us what's next, what will happen to us, You see, we could see here that what happens to us Christians, and when we reach a point when, we're, when we have this heart of apathy towards God, we, begin, we start with being careless. We don't care anymore. We don't care if it's sin or sin. We live in a world where wrong seems right and right seems wrong. You begin to believe what the society is saying. Everybody's doing it anyway. Why should I not do it? You become careless, and you compromise your faith. And when you move on to compromising your faith, you just say, it's okay, I'm just like the rest. There are consequences to your actions. And the more you continue on, the Lord will bring calamities in your life. That's what we could see all throughout the book of Judges. Apathy towards God is not okay. But the question we need to ask ourselves is, how do we reverse apathy towards God? First, ask yourself this question. Am, have I reached a point where I don't care anymore whether I'm sinning against God? Do, do I have this heart of apathy towards God? How do I reverse this? Well, let's take, let's take a look at the life of Joshua. You know, the book of Joshua and Judges are just parallel. It is just uh, chronological in order. It started with with Joshua and then move on to Judges. We could see here that this is like a commentary or summary of the life of Joshua. The Word of God says, And the people served the, the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. When the Lord Called me to come into BSOP as president. The Lord used this passage. As I reflected when I was invited, I said, "Lord, who am I to serve as president of this 65 years organization? I'm not like uh, Reverend Dr. Joseph Shaw. I am a nobody." And the Lord reminded me, as I was with Moses, "I will be with you. Be strong and courageous." And when I reached this passage, the Lord just blew my mind and said, look at the life of Joshua, he's a nobody. But all the days of Joshua, all the people of Israel served the Lord. I don't claim to be a Joshua even, but the Lord convicted me and said, Neil, if your life, you could be like Joshua, you serve me with all of your heart and lead my people. So that they all will serve the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't have that capacity, Lord. You were the one who used Joshua. But if I can just get a glimpse of the life of Joshua and serve you the way Joshua served you, I think it's worth it. So in fear and trembling, I step into this position. Today, we need Joshua's. We need Joshua's in our churches, we need Joshua's in our families. We need Joshua's in our communities. We need Joshua's in our societies. Today, we live in a world where apathy towards God is a trend. Nobody cares about God anymore. There is this deadness of heart. We don't even recognize what is sin. We don't recognize what is right in the eyes of the Lord. The world is telling us what is right in their eyes. Judges, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. But Joshua, Joshua is a a person who is fully committed to the Lord. What did God tell Joshua? He told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And God's Word says, And then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. The reason why Joshua was successful in his efforts is not because of how good he is, it's not because of how skillful he is, because he was committed every day to meditate upon the law of the Lord, day and night. Not just to study the scripture, to know and have a big knowledge or huge knowledge or big head, so that he may be careful to do everything according to what is written in the book of the law. We have a next generation of Israelites who drifted away from the Lord. They're no longer concerned with what God thinks is right. But we have have Joshua. If we want to reverse the trend in our society where people are apathetic towards God, we need Joshuas. May God raise up UECP to be a church full of Joshua's will stand up and say, I will obey the Lord at all cost. And finally, we could see that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years, and they buried him. What will be the legacy of your life? At the end of your life, when people look at you, will they see Christ in you? And they will say, I want to follow the Lord the way this person followed the Lord. but sad to say, the Word of God tells us, and all that generation were also gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. This is a very sad state. You see, Joshua and the elders, they were not able to pass on their faith to the next generation generation. Somebody once said that Christianity is just one generation away from extinction. We're just one generation away from extinction. If you don't pass on your faith to the next generation, even if no matter how you follow the Lord, how much you serve the Lord, well, of course, the next generation looks at your life. If you are apathetic to your faith, they see that you compromise your faith. You have not abandoned the Lord, but you are living a life of apathy towards God. They too will see what you teach is not reflected by how you live. We could see here, because of the commitment of Joshua and the elders, it brought conviction in the lives of his people. All Israel followed the Lord during the time that all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders. But once they're gone, they celebrated the life of uh, Joshua, they celebrated the lives of the elders. But because of their prolonged uh, looking back, they just keep on looking back. They're no longer looking forward. It brought a crisis. The next generation lost it. After apathy towards God, what happens next? We move on to abandonment of God. Abandonment of God. And we could see here what happened to the next generation. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods. When we look at the next generation, when you look at them, when you begin to see signs of apathy, they're no longer convicted with sin. They're no longer sensitive towards sin. And they just say, it's okay. I'll just go with the flow. Sooner or later, no matter how much you, you, you bring them to God, no matter how much you bring them to Sunday school, if they don't have, have a heart of commitment to obey the Lord, to, to have their, the God of Joshua to be their God as well, then you would eventually see the next generation abandoning Our God. What happens next? If people abandon God, does God say, I don't care? No. We could see here. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. Remember David. After he sinned against the Lord, the Lord's use the prophet Nathan, to, to rebuke him. God said to David, I've given you so much. And so much blessings has been given and bestowed to you. And if this is not enough, I would have given you more. But what have you done? You know, many of us have been blessed by the Lord, so much blessed. in reality, we are all survivors of this pandemic. The mere fact we're still existing today is because of the testimony that God has been gracious to you and me. But what have we done? If you, are, if you have a heart of apathy towards God, sooner or later you'll see the next generation seeing you with your apathy towards God. They see you and they would say, I don't want this God. I, want, I don't want the God that you believe in. I see you compromising your faith. It's not a, I don't see the reality of God in your life, and they will abandon God themselves. And God's anger will be burned against you and me, and he will, they will, he will be burned. His anger will be burned against the next generation. The wrath of God is being revealed against all wickedness and ungodliness of men. And so because they abandon the Lord, we could see here, whenever they march out the hand of the Lord was against them for harm as the Lord had warned them. God was no longer with them. Have you ever experienced a time when God is so present, ever present in your life, you're so close to the Lord and then you abandon Him, you drift away, you forsake Him. Yes, you still come to church but in your life there is this spiritual dryness. You've drifted so far away And then you you don't sense God anymore. And then you, you lost all sensitivity against sinning, against Him. And the worst state of all is that the hand of the Lord is against you. The Word of God says, if you're friends of the world, you're enemy of God. You cannot make yourself friends of the world and friends of God. We're adulterers. We're married to the Lord, we're the church, the bride of Christ, but we have become so worldly, so consumed with this world. And God sees us and He says, My heart is broken. My people, my heart is broken. God is reminding us and challenging us, waking us up to the reality. Let's not reach the stage we're in because we abandoned the Lord, He's going to abandon from us. He says, The Lord had warned us. This is a warning from the Lord. Moving on, the Word of God says, And as the Lord has sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. The more we sin, the more we sin, confess, sin, confess, never repenting from our sins, never really deeply sorry. We're sorry that we're caught. We're guilty, but we are not abandoning the sin that we commit. It's like we are apathetic. We're just afraid of the consequences of the sin. We just, in reality, we have abandoned God. And we are in terrible distress. Somebody said that in the midst of this Pandemic, we are in a mental health crisis. You see, the more we abandon God, the more we drift away from God. The more distress—it's a distress signal, right? Remember when someone, uh, you know, probably an aircraft that they they got crashed and their survivors—they send some distress signal: "We're in distress. Come help us." You see, if you abandon God, it starts with, you know, your faith has to be pure. The purity, the integrity of your faith is broken. Then you end up having a corrupt faith. And you, you, people see, the next generation sees the corruption of your faith. And, and your faith gets corroded. You become like the ways of the world. You follow the ways of the world. There's no difference between your life and the life of the people of the world. And then your life, your Christian life just collapses. You become just a Sunday-goer. They call you Christian, you call yourself Christian, but you know, you you dare not tell others that you're a Christian. And then there will be casualties. Your life will be a life of casualties. But God never abandons His people, right? Right? No matter how how far away we have drifted from God, no matter how far we have gone away, gone astray from Him, the Word of God says, Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and He saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. Today, we need Joshua's. Today, we need judges. Judges, a judge is someone who, who recognizes what is right and wrong. And we know when you go to the judicial court, you will see this lady with a blindfold on her eyes. And there's a weighing scale. You know, justice is for all. You see, today God wants to raise up judges. People who see what's right from the eyes of the Lord and would do what is right. Not in the eyes of men, but in the eyes of the Lord. But sad to say, but whenever the judge died, they turned their back. The next generation, they turned their back and were more corrupt than their fathers. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. You see, God is already reaching out to you. If you are abandoning God, your life shows that you're abandoning God. You're apathetic towards God. You're abandoning God. And God used a judge to remind you, to rebuke you, a Nathan to convict you, to bring you back. And if you, you know, are just willing to come back because of this judge, when this judge is gone, are you going back to your old ways? Are you stubborn? Am I stubborn? God is telling me, Neil, are you stubborn? You know what you're doing is wrong. What are you doing? Why are you still doing it? The third stage, alienation from God. You start with apathy, you move on to abandonment, then you move on to alienation from God. Verse 20 says, So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. You see, if, if you continue to have a stubborn heart against the Lord, God's not gonna turn a blind eye and say, It's okay. I'll let you be. God's heart will be broken against you. God would see you, say that the Holy Spirit will be grieved within you because of your stubbornness against Him. And He said, Because these people have transgressed My covenant that I commanded their fathers, and because they have not obeyed My voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died. I will no longer. I will no longer. Let us not reach the point of no return. Let us not reach the point where God I know you're always there for me. I know you always care for me. Even how far I am, it's okay. But the time will come you may reach the point of no return. As God said, enough is enough. If you really want, I will turn you over. I will give you over to the lust of your flesh. You see, we could see, begins with having a callous heart. And all of a sudden, your Christian life crumbles down. And you call yourself Christian, but actually in reality, there's no life in you. And God begins to close His mind towards you. And the time will come, God will close His door towards you. Begins with apathy towards God. While you are still At the stage of apathy, you need to reverse it. Don't wait until the next generation sees you and they also, you pass on a life of apathy and they too will reach a point that they will abandon God and they will reach a point that they will be alienated from God. The Word of God reminds us that we should not be stumbling block to the little ones. Today, God is warning us. What do you do? What do you do with all these warnings? This this distress signal, God is waking you up. God is calling you to a life of repentance, to turn away from your wicked ways. But as we have learned all these things, I'd like to propose or submit to you a question. What are the implications of Judges chapter 2 to our theology? to our understanding of Scripture and understanding of God. What does it all mean? Can a Christian lose his salvation? Can someone be apathetic and then reach a the point of abandonment and reach a point of alienation? Can, can someone lose his salvation? Well, I propose three summary statements, principles that we can learn as a church. Number one, the church exists to care for believers so that no one would fall away from God. What does the Bible say? Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. As a church, it is our desire to follow what the Lord Jesus Christ said. If, a, if you have hundred sheep, if one has gone astray, leave behind the ninety-nine, go look after that lost sheep. The church exists to care, to provide care, spiritual care. We have to take care. Every sheep the Lord has brought before us, we should take care of them. We should make sure that no single brother or sister in Christ will have an evil, unbelieving heart. Don't let them go, fall astray from the living God. That's what the church is all about. The church is not just here to exist, to come together. We're here to go reach out to every member of our church. Secondly, how do you care? How do you care for so many people? You have a, a huge church and you have a, you know, all the daughter churches all over the Philippines to take care of. See, small group exists to encourage believers so no one would end up with a hardened church. Heart. The Word of God says, but exhort one another every day. Exhort one another every day. We are not meeting every day. As a church, we meet only once a week and maybe in your small group, that's where you mingle with your people. Every day. There should be, you know, you have a small group time, but beyond that time you should be daily caring for one another. As long as it is called today, you wake up, I'm still alive, I'm still here. This is still today. I don't put it off. I don't wait next time. But think of your members. Think of your small group members. Care for them. As long as it is called today, exhort and encourage one another so that no one may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is very deceitful. We need Joshua's. We need elders. We need judges to provide spiritual nurturing and spiritual care. Finally, genuine believers will remain a believer until the very end. If you're truly a genuine believer, the Word of God tells us you will become a believer until the very end. The Word of God tells us, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Firm to the end. See, God calls us to reach out to people. And we have this assurance. It's not our efforts. He who began the good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. But we have to partner with the Lord Jesus. We have to keep in step with the Spirit. We have to allow Him to use us to reach out to all the sheep, care for them, care for the flock. Of course, we are living today The Lord Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of harvest that He may raise up laborers into the harvest field. I grew up as a believer. I want to thank God for my grandmother. My grandmother uh, studied in an all-girls Christian school in China. Uh, and she, together with many of her friends and colleagues, they're very prayerful uh, Christians. Whenever I talked to her, she would always pray with me, pray for everyone in our family members. Our father's side is mostly Christians, but my mother's side were Buddhist and Catholic. So the Lord said to me, follow the model of your Grandma. So I just decided to kneel before God and pray. Pray individually for my cousins, my uh, relatives, my uncles, aunties, my grandparents who were Buddhists. And finally, the Lord gave me the chance to begin to share the gospel to my cousins. So as I shared to them in fear and trembling, I would share the gospel to them. And one by one, one cousin would trust Christ, and and another cousin next week will trust Christ until. I've gathered a group of my cousins and brought them to church for for our youth fellowship. And the time came where we wanted to attend our summer conference. And I remember clearly that summer conference, that one week of conference, it so happened that my grandfather or my guacong, my grandfather is celebrating his 80th birthday. So we look at each other, my cousins, and we say, "Uh, do you think we can go to the summer con? It's our... Kwakwong's 80th birthday, and we all say, I don't think we can go this year. We may not have a chance to go. But we prayed, and the Lord answered that prayer. Out of nowhere, one of our deacons reached out to my grandfather, and my grandfather decided to join our summer conference, and we were so excited. Our grandfather, who is Buddhist all his life, finally went to church, and finally went to the conference and through that conference, my grandfather trusted in Christ. And I said, wow, what a wonderful answer to prayer and what an amazing 80th birthday he turned to Christ. So I said to my Guacong, guakong, I'll bring you to church every Sunday. So I will pick him up, bring him to church every Sunday. Sooner or later, my mom joined along and we would go out and there was this one particular Sunday. We went out for lunch And my grandfather told me this story. He said to me, "Why Guakong? You know, when I was little, when I was a young, uh, uh, a young kid, your Taikong, now my Taikong, which is my dad's Angkong, uh, happened to be one of the elders of uh, UECP back then. He said that your Taikong was my kwepe, was my godfather. When I was little, he brought me to Sunday school." I said, really? When he was still a young young kid, the seed was planted and eventually, 80 years old, it was harvested by the Lord. Today, we have generation upon generation before us. Cousins, relatives, we have Hope Christian High School, a new generation of people. What do we do about them? God calls us, God warns us, Against rebellion against him. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I pray for UECP. Thank you for the privilege you've given me to worship, worship you together with my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for this new generation. Lord, people who are who have a heart for you. Father, I pray for each one of our brothers and sisters in Christ today. I don't know the stage of their Christian life, but Lord, if there are people here today who are apathetic towards you, I pray, Father, that we would see reversal. Pray that you would raise up laborers of the harvest field at UECP. Raise up a new generation of Joshua's. Raise up a new generation of elders. Raise up a new generation of judges. Lord, forgive us for not caring for other believers. Forgive us for becoming wrong models. Forgive us when we compromise our faith and the next generation sees the collapse of our faith and they too would end up abandoning the God that we believe. Help us, Father. Preserve us. Protect us. Help us to hold firmly to the confidence that we have until the very end. And make us a church that can reverse the trend. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.